0: Hey, Greg. Yeah? Uh, what do you think the turning point of the European theater of World War II was? Stalingrad. Uh, no, damn it. You are supposed to say the Blitz or D-Day or the Battle of the Bulge or something. Yeah, but it's, it's Stalingrad. Yeah, I know it's Stalingrad. Screw it. We're talking about Stalingrad today. Dan, get in here! This is 100 Proof History. We're drinking whiskey and talking history. So, grab a drink, sit back, Relax. And enjoy a few laughs as the guys talk about all the horrible things people do to each other.
1: Here are your hosts, Chris and Greg. All right, welcome to our show about Stalingrad. I am your main host, Greg. And I am your sexy host, Chris. Yeah, and of course Dan, you know, he did the intro and he's already fucking gone.
0: Yeah, that old Simpsons bit is just footstep... And then you hear a car door slam and screeching tires peeling out of here.
1: I just... I don't know, man. I wish he was more a part of the team. You give the guy five... It's expensive to get him in here. Yeah. I just, I just... I wish there was some other way. Well, I mean,
0: to be fair, he is addicted to crack cocaine. And so, you give him five bucks, he's not going to waste any time. He's going to get out of here, go get his fix.
1: Yeah, I just wish we didn't have to have him here every single and
0: week. I, yeah, if only there was some magical way to just, like... Put all of that in like a recording or something and just put that in every episode. There's not. It's no.
1: literally impossible. I know. Like I said, welcome in. We are 100 Proof History. Uh, please find us on social media Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at 100 Proof History. Uh, you can go to anchor.fm. It's like a boat anchor slash 100 Proof History. Leave us voicemails. Probably play them on the show unless you're an idiot. Mm-hmm. Uh, we might even still play those. Yeah, um, especially my, if you're an idiot, <laughs> <laughs> might send you some swag in the mail. We have been known to do that. Uh, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on uh, whatever podcast platform you're listening on. I do have one more bit of business. Mm-hmm. Let's put up here. Uh,
0: I want to let our listeners in on a little secret. We drink throughout this whole show, no, and get drunker and drunker. I just, I know people may come to this podcast for different things. Some may come for serious history, some may come for jokes about penises, uh, some come for both, but, you know, if if you're coming for serious history, just listen to the first half up until the break, you're like, oh, that was good information, maybe I should go listen to the rest myself. You'll still get the serious history in the second half, but it's it's just littered with penises.
1: Yeah. And then, but if you're coming for... Do get more juvenile, the drunker we get.
0: Yeah, but if you're coming for the penis jokes, you are you get through halfway through and you're like, eh... Ah. I don't know. This isn't a very funny episode. Then you come back after the break. After we've just you know down to fifth of Jack, you know downstairs, <laughs> uh, it gets a little it gets a little more uh, handsy. We get a little more, you know.
1: Yeah, that that is a good point. It, all, it there is a dichotomy between the mm-hmm. between the two halves of the show.
0: Yeah, like in the second half, we can't say dichotomy. So
1: you couldn't say it's dichotomy. <laughs> you can't say it in the fucking first half. Oh no,
0: it's a dichotomy. There's two economies. Great, come on, everybody knows that. That's, <laughs>
1: And another little secret I just found out from one of our listeners, they had no idea that we've been putting outtakes and oh, shit yeah. at the end of our episodes. Yeah. So after the episode ends, just wait for those DJ horns and uh, yeah, put the wheels off.
0: Put together by our illustrious invalid producer,
1: uh, <laughs> yeah. Wolf Dick. Wolf Dick, that's right. For those that don't know, he is, like Chris said, an invalid producer. He has one eye, very, very limited use of one hand mm-hmm. and a massive raging erection. At all times. Yeah. And he survives on animal crackers. Yep. That might all sound weird. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but uh, hey, he also finances the show. Yeah, in the podcast game, you got to take what you can get. He got rich on Bitcoin, and he's our sugar daddy now. Yeah. Don't tell him No, We can't all be Joe Rogan. Some of us, we have to start from the bottom. I like how we whisper about him, uh-huh. but he's also like the producer. and
0: Yeah, he has to listen to all this, Edits right? <laughs> it. And, yeah. Huh.
1: Huh. Hmm. yeah. What does he know? <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so... In case you weren't aware, we do have some outtakes at the end of episodes usually.
0: Yep, and outtakes in the middle, but they're they're intakes, I they're guess. Intakes. They're just errors that we make that we we find humorous. Yeah, but, they're, yeah. In,
1: they're intakes. They're intakes. Just like your wife's mouth and butt.
0: Oh, okay. She's always told me that's an exit only, both of them. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> like she sees me naked and she's like Ugh! Oh, anyway, our source, our main source today, is Stalingrad by Rupert Matthews
1: be sure to name your kid Rupert if you want him to get beat up and study history like <laughs> <laughs> yeah I
0: have no friends just <laughs> so study history make a history podcast <laughs> um Oh, we did have other sources. We watched a few documentaries and stuff like that, but this is our main source for this uh, this story. And there's a very cool documentary we both watched on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greatest Stories World War Two in Color is that what yep. it's called?
1: And that episode, it's not World War Two in Color. There's another one. Yeah, yeah. And that episode is good. Yeah, yeah on so, Stalingrad. Yeah, it's
0: very good. It does have some things that are a little, maybe a little misleading, or maybe things that disagree with uh, Rupert Matthews. And of course, because it's only an hour long, it's going to gloss over a lot
1: of stuff. But that is kind of the uh, the smallest little package <laughs> yeah. that you're going to find this information in. I had also looked for just several YouTube videos, just something to put on in the background while I'm cooking or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they were just all like two hours plus and really got into the my- minutia of like battle tactics or they were, you know, made in 1958. And it was just like, God damn it. Yeah. So that, that one is actually a good one, information-wise. Yeah. We're going to be
0: somewhere in between. We're not going to. Uh, gloss over because they do Operation Barbarossa and Stalingrad all in that forty minute span. So yeah. we're going to be a little bit more in depth than that, but we're not going to spend two hours talking about individual troop movements either. So
1: nope, just wieners.
0: Yep, we're going to give you just enough where you can get into argument with your uh, Nazi friends. So yeah. I hope you don't have those. We all have Nazi friends, Greg. Do we? Nope. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I don't associate with Nazis. I don't know what you're talking about.
1: Uh, what are you drinking? I am drinking Angel's Envy. Mm. It is a Kentucky bourbon. Mm-hmm. It's finished in port barrels, so it's not technically a bourbon. I'm drinking that because in this story, as we will find out today, there were there were a lot of angels made. They were a lot of angels made. I feel like I drank that one for the
0: Robert Smalls episode. I don't remember my tie-in. I feel like it's very tenuous and terrible. You drank it at some point, yeah. Uh, I love that one. That's a very good not bourbon bourbon. I really it enjoy is. it. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, fantastic. Yeah.
1: Well, no. Uh, what are you sipping on over there?
0: I'm having Balcona's uh, Brimstone. Uh, Balcona's is a distillery. It's a Texas distillery mm-hmm. down in Waco. Basically, this is a straight whiskey. They can't really call it a bourbon because of the stuff they do to it. Yeah. But it's a Just cor- like Angels and B, yeah, technically. Yeah, it's a, a corn based whiskey. They put in scrub oak and smoke the whiskey, and it gets a real campfire y taste. Um, it's very good. It's like, it's real good. I'm. I made it into an old-fashioned. We do a lot of old-fashions on this show, but I made it into one because a smoked old-fashioned is real delicious. It just takes a lot of work. Yeah. and so You've seen me make one. <laughs> yeah. And so if you can just get the smoke in the whiskey, it kind of does have to work for you. So it's real good. I really enjoy it. It's a 106 proof. So I'm going to get nice and toasted myself. I think this Angel's Envy, it's only like 86. Uh, I'm winning that race. I'm drinking Brimstone because Stalingrad burns to the ground in the story, Mm -hmm. and this is basically the whole time it's like living in hell for everyone involved. It's just pure fucking hell. Yeah. So everybody excited? Ready to get into that?
1: Doesn't that sound like fun,
0: guys? (laughs) Yeah. All right, well, uh, let's Blitzkrieg our way into the story. Oh, nice. I like that. Now, when we left you last week, it was the winter of 1941. Operation Barbarossa had failed. Wolf Dick, give me the the sad horn, please. Thank you. Hitler had failed to take Moscow and there was not a lot of fighting during the winter of 41 because who wants to get out in that shit. In the spring of 42, the Soviets attempted to launch an offensive to retake Kharkov, the third largest city in the Soviet Union. They attempted to copy the blitzkrieg, but they didn't realize that you need fucking radio communication to do that and you have to have a fluid supply line. So if like your tanks have to swing, you know, 5 miles south, you can get them oil and gas and ammunition. They didn't have all that stuff figured out.
1: And gas station hot dogs.
0: Yeah, so basically they're running the uh, Sam's Choice brand of the Blitzkrieg. Well, because they didn't really know how to Blitzkrieg work, the offensive failed, resulting in the loss of nearly 290,000 men and 950 tanks. The Soviet Army in the southwest had lost approximately 80% of their tanks and artillery in this offensive. So, whoops. Whoopsie-daisy. Now, Hitler needed oil and coal, and both were in the Caucasus in the southern part of the Soviet Union. And so his plan was to divide up Army Group South into two armies, Group A and Group B. Real fucking creative with the group names. <laughs> like now you have like Operation Rolling Thunder or something cool like that. Yeah. Which I guess that was the Vietnam bombing, so maybe that wasn't that cool. But anyways, you come up with cool names. Uh he's just like I don't know, A and B. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Who cares about this shit really? You know like
1: All of the Einsatz group and death squads, they were named like squad group in A. Yeah. Squad group in B, you know.
0: They, I mean they are a very organized people. So they don't I guess they don't feel the need to come up with all these fucking code names and stuff. But at the same time it's like put some effort into it, man. Like I know you're all methed out and you're you're trying to figure out like uh how bombs work and you're know, like what makes tank treads turn and all that shit. Mm-hmm. And, like you're you're all worried about that shit, but uh you know you know, put some
1: heart into it. Just a little bit. You know, I've got a little theory here. Mm-hmm. Um, Hitler's known for being a very bad tactician.
0: What?
1: That won't I come. don't think he was going, yeah, that, it, won't, that won't, won't play a role at all. No. Uh, he, didn't, he certainly didn't get that name from largely this battle. No. Um, I don't think that he necessarily wanted the oil and coal that were available in the caucus regions. I think he was looking at a map mm-hmm. and somebody was, you know, speaking him through it. And then pointed at that region and was talking about the Caucasus. he's like, oh, no. ho- ho- hold on. Oh, 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 oh let's just go there. Yeah. Let's just go there. We must have that for our own. Let's go see if those mountains are circumcised.
0: <laughs> okay. That doesn't make sense at all. How do no. you circumcise a mountain? Uh, I don't know. I don't either. It's stupid. We'll, we'll get our top guys on it. Uh, yeah. Wolf Dick, figure out how to circumcise a mountain. No, he's our top guy. We're fucked. <laughs> Dan's our top guy and he left already. So we're on our own. Group A would push south and take the oil fields. Group B would protect their advance by pressing east towards the Don River. Uh, that's my a uh, strange uncle's name as well.
1: Don River. Don River. Hey, <laughs> nice
0: to have. Nice to be on the show. Thanks for having hey, me. Kiss
1: pinky ring. Yeah, kiss pinky ring.
0: My name's Don River. I'm going to Vegas. <laughs> Go put it on black, baby, and I don't mean the roulette wheel. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, that group would press towards the Don River and then towards Stalingrad. The offensive was set to begin in June of 1942. Group A had initial success and didn't meet too much resistance. The Soviets had already begun to pull troops back towards Stalingrad because they believed it would be a potential target in the future and because they needed to regroup after the defeat at Kharkov. Group B, which consisted of the 6th Army and the 4th Panzer Army, was also having success in their move east. A temporary setback in Voronezh resulted in Hitler firing General Bach, the leader of Army Group South, so he just went on to make beer basically, <laughs> leaving it with no leader and at the mercy of a methed-out Hitler.
1: I'm the leader now. Yeah, you thought Hitler was bad. Yeah. Now you got fucking methed-out Hitler thanks to Dr. Morrell.
0: Yep. Uh, hangover number one. You guys should go listen to that. Mm-hmm. And they're like, man, that's really good. I'll give these guys two bucks a month to hear more of that stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fighting in the South got more intense for Army Group A, but it really wasn't anything they couldn't handle. Still, Hitler wanted results, and so in July he pulled the 4th Panzer Army away from Army Group B and sent it south to assist. The shitty Russian roads weren't meant for so much traffic and it just caused like this huge fucking traffic jam. Hitler then changed his mind and sent the 4th Panzer Army back to Group B and ordered them to attack Stalingrad. No one knows why Hitler attacked Stalingrad. It wasn't it wasn't. Legend. Yeah, that's a new one. It wasn't of huge strategic importance. Some theorize he wanted to wipe out the city named after Stalin. You yeah, know, maybe. He wanted to just fuck over his ex-best bud. Some say that Hitler believed that it was important to take the city to control the Volga River. Our main source, Stalingrad by Rupert Matthews, theorizes that it was uh, kind of a sunk cost fallacy. Or if you ever played poker, your pot committed. Yeah. Uh, basically, he kept having to put so many troops into
1: taking it, that to lose it would feel like a major defeat. I think it was... A matter of it being his namesake. I do too, because it was never in the original plan. Uh, it was only once they started uh, moving troops around when they realized Operation Barbarossa was taking longer than expected, to where they had to move troops to go and get coal and oil and all the stuff that you said that I'm literally repeating right now. Uh, yeah, but it was only then apparently that they noticed oh, Stalingrad is like on like, the way. Huh. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's 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 get that. Yeah, it's kind of like. You know, you're on your
0: way home, you're drunk as a skunk, and you see a jack-in-the-box, you're like, all right, pull the fuck over. Yeah. Let's get that.
1: Immediately diverting my plans. Yeah. And... Twelve tacos to go, thank you.
0: And like we mentioned, that Netflix series, I can't remember the uh, the female historian's name.
1: but oh, she's just a historian, Chris.
0: Well, it, when you're watching it, there's only one of... we one female on that episode, so I'm not being... I am I can't remember her name, but it was her. And so, she's like... They're going south and, oh, here's a tasty little morsel. And I'm like, well, <laughs> that's a weird way to describe this uh, city full of humans and, you know, yeah. it result in millions of deaths. But she did make a good point. She was like, literally anywhere else on the Volga, north or south of Stalingrad, she they could take that and control the river without this huge fight. So, no, it's not he needs to control the strategic point of the Volga. It's basically, like you said, it's just like, oh, fuck it. It says, yeah. it says Stalin. If it had been called Steve Grad... We would have been interested because that's the name of our couple's counselor, but
1: Hitler wouldn't have touched it. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a bone to pick with that lady, by the way. What is that? That historian. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. She completely misquoted a quote, but then acted like it came out of her mouth. Oh. She had said something about, like, you know, and Hitler's whole idea was they were just going to go in and kick the door in and just, you know, the whole rotten house would fall down. I'm like... We got that quote. Motherfucker, that ain't the quote, and you're don't act like it's yours. Right. I don't know. No, It, it just seemed disingenuous. It did, it did a little
0: bit. You, she's stealing a quote, but she didn't quote it right, so then it, I guess it does become her quote. That's how it works.
1: Yeah. If, if you misquote the quote, the quote becomes yours. I think she was intentionally deceptive. Yeah, maybe. Like most women. <laughs> moving on.
0: Now, uh, Hitler was busy moving tanks around the battlefield, and... He's doing this, moving them back and forth, even though he's low on oil and gas already. That's why we're going to the fucking Caucasus. Or, if you believe Greg's theory, it's because it sounds like penis. The Soviets, they were busy preparing for a defense of Stalingrad. So Stalin organized the people of Stalingrad into work groups and had them dig anti-tank trenches. They cut down trees to block roads or to build machine gun nests. They blocked some of the roads, but left others open to create possible ambushes. They destroyed the interior of houses and factories to set up machine gun and sniper nests, as well as put holes in the walls so that they could move up and down the blocks without exposing themselves to the enemy.
1: love exposing myself to the enemy, oh, which yeah. are homeless people.
0: As we'll soon discover, that sometimes that might be the only, like, weapon they have. Just running at them, dicks out. Yeah. Just, woo, helicoptering at them because supplies are drastically low at this point. Mm-hmm. The army took control of all the boats that crossed the Volga and used them to bring in supplies, but also to take out resources that the Germans might capture or destroy. As a result, over 400,000 civilians were trapped in the city with little or nothing to eat. So not to humanize Hitler or Stalin here. Mm, uh Uh-oh. Yeah, but um, because they are just humongous pieces of shit that that caused the death of millions of people. Let's get that out of the way. Mm -hmm. But... At this point in the scenario, I feel like they're kind of like young children playing Risk, the game, the board game. Mm-hmm. And they don't understand the rules and they don't <laughs> really understand what they're supposed to do. Yeah. So like Hitler, he's like moving his cannons and tanks like up and down the board back and forth because he thinks it's fun just to see a move, mm-hmm. <laughs> not really accomplishing anything. Uh, meanwhile, Stal- uh, Stalin's like, I should really reinforce this, this part right here, but I don't have enough troops. So I'm just going to like, here's a Power Ranger action figure and a ketchup packet, <laughs> you know, and then he's like, he's like throwing a super ball at Hitler and hitting him in the face, like, ha <laughs> you'll never take Stalingrad.
1: This is basically the same exact thing.
0: Yes. In other words, they're tactical idiots, and I'm a genius, and if I had been in charge of either one of these armies, this war would have been over a lot quicker.
1: I'm just saying it. I'm just gonna put that out there. So, if you were in charge of the Nazi army... We'd all be Nazis right now? Oh, absolutely. Wow. Now,
0: we would change our ethos. We wouldn't actually believe in the same things as the Nazis. Don't get me wrong.
1: I love the Jews. Big fan of the Jewish people. Uh-huh. Uh, but, yeah, no, we'd be victorious. But not the gypsies and the mentally handicapped and, mm, and all
0: that. Case-by-case situation, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't mean that. No, uh, I would never lead the Nazis, even if I was asked not going to take that job
1: We'd lead them into death mountain and we'd all be dead yeah i'll
0: show them <laughs> take them into stalingrad and that power ranger kick our fucking teeth in
1: <laughs> drown them in a the ketchup packet
0: <laughs> on july 22nd 1942 stalin issued general order number 227 which uh that was that old really old 70s show hmm. uh 227 with Jack A or whatever you remember Not that? Not a fucking clue what you're talking about. <laughs> well, all of the the 18 year olds and you know under who listen to this show, they're <laughs> they'll real, definitely yeah, know. Yeah, they get that. Uh, that became known as the "not one step backwards" order. Yeah. Basically, no one was allowed to retreat without orders from a general. A unit of troops or a tank would be set behind an advancing army, and if anyone tried to flee or retreat, they would be shot on the spot. Which you know, all things considered. If you're in the Red Army, do you want the job of the guy heroically charging to your death? Or do you want the guy sitting in the back saying, you better heroically charge to your death or I'm going to fucking
1: shoot you in the back? Definitely the one that shoots the guy in the back.
0: Yeah, you're in way less danger.
1: Yeah. It's like, sorry, you know. I can live with that. I was ordered to. (laughs) Yeah, just following orders.
0: You heard it from Greg first. (laughs) It would not be uncommon for an advancing Soviet force to have the Germans firing machine guns from the front and their own quote-unquote defensive forces firing machine guns at them from the rear entire battalions would be wiped out this way some germans would later tell stories about waves of russians running at them with their guns but the russians never fired a shot at them when the russians had been mowed down by machine guns and all that uh, the germans would find out that none of them had ammunition but charged anyways because they'd been given the order that's why they call this
1: shit a meat grinder yeah it's fucking insane order
0: 227 also created penal companies Hey, Hey, what's up, ladies? (laughs) Would you like to see my penal company? Would you like to be a member of my penal company? Invest. (laughs) You get on the ground floor because it doesn't go any higher.
1: Would you like to give my penal some company?
0: Ooh, there we go. Now, these battalions uh, were convicts or defectors who were sent on suicidal missions. Like, uh, hey, Greg, it's 1942. We're hanging out in Stalingrad. Oh, nice. And uh, there's a minefield in front of us. Uh Uh-oh. How do you clear it? You you obviously... Sure, you have these big uh, MRAPs, right? You can just send them through to clear the mines? Nope. Oh, you just send the prisoners... Yeah. ...to walk through the minefield and get blown to hell. Miracle of miracles, they've cleared all the fucking mines, now we can walk through. But if they served in it for a while and were still alive, they'd go back to a normal company. Yeah, which was not much fucking better. Yeah, true. <laughs> but I guess you weren't walking through minefields just to see if there were fucking mines in your path. Yeah. Ugh, that'd be awful. Yeah.
1: No, it's like when I... Uh... You know, don't use protection Mm -hmm. with homeless hookers. Mm -hmm. That's what that would feel like. (laughs) It's just constant danger. Yeah. Just walking through a minefield. You don't know.
0: Yeah, but that's part of the arousal, right? Yes, uh, (laughs) it is. And
1: I'm sure these guys were excited as fuck walking through there. Not in a good way.
0: Yeah. I bet their hearts were racing. That's true. That's true. Okay.
1: It is relatable. There's a thin line between pleasure and pain, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) And I like to watch a woman shit all over it. Your chest? The line. Yeah. Chest. Chest. Glass coffee table, you name
0: it. <laughs> oh, what is wrong with this podcast? Well, Greg, throughout the war, about eight hundred and fifty thousand Russian civilians would die serving in these penal companies. <laughs> okay, I was gonna see if you're gonna walk it back, but I know you're, what you were doing. No, you're gonna you're gonna keep going with that. All right. Doubling down. That's fine. I applaud the effort. <laughs> Wolf did give us some applause there. Okay. Now with the Germans regrouped and the Soviets dug in. The stage was set for an incredibly bloody battle.
1: The battle began on August 19th, 1942. The Germans were commanded by General Frederick Paulus. The Soviets were led by General Georgi Zhukov.
0: And just something going forward. General Paulus, it sounds like a Star Wars name. I'm just going to say it.
1: Yeah, I guess it kind of does.
0: You have failed me again, General Paulus. Yeah.
1: And then he chokes him. Early on, the Germans found success on the northern flank of the attack. On the first day, they took the northern suburbs of Stalingrad and controlled the northern part of the Volga River. Paulus then ordered the Luftwaffe, which is the German Air Force— It's pronounced Luftwaffe. The Luftwaffe to pound the city into submission. Mm. Over 1,200 planes hit the city with both explosive and incendiary bombs. The fires would burn for months. One German soldier would write that at night he could use the light from the burning city to read his newspaper— even though he was 30 miles away from Stalingrad.
0: He's fucking lying. It's bullshit. He's
1: lying. Oh, also, there was a full moon, but mm. it, I'm pretty sure it was those fires. And I had a flashlight. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was nighttime on the other side of the world. Yeah. It was actually daytime where we were. The daytime of the night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stalin didn't want anyone to think he was losing, so he ordered that all of the dismantling of factories and all evacuations be stopped. The NKVD was ordered to kill any civilian attempting to flee Stalingrad. The civilians, women included, were organized into worker battalions and sent to fight the Germans in the north. 20% of these men had no weapons and were told to pick up the weapons of the other men when they were killed. Obviously, the casualty rates of these battalions were incredibly high.
0: I'm starting to think this Stalin guy isn't really the hero of this story. Yeah, but he's on our
1: side, so... Technically. <laughs> you know, something we, we grew up learning. Oh, he's part of the team. Yeah, you got yeah. that picture of him and he's a piece of shit. Roosevelt and Churchill at yeah. that
0: conference. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. look, they're all on the same side trying to stop evil Hitler. Everybody's laughing except
1: Stalin. Yeah. Just like, mm. yeah.
0: Mm. I wonder how many people here I can order to have
1: killed. I don't understand anything they're saying.
0: <laughs> borst, 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 borst. That's all he says, over and over again. <laughs>
1: The fighting continued throughout August, and the Germans were quickly getting close to encircling the city. On August twenty-ninth, General Zhukov arrived to oversee a counteroffensive and found that morale, especially in one unit that had broken and fled, was low. To fix this morale problem, he lined up that entire unit in the street, pulled out his pistol, and he shot twelve of them in the head himself. Hmm. Yeah. Anyone else have low morale? He's a hard bastard. <laughs> yeah. On September third, the city was fully encircled by German forces. Zhukov then changed his methods. No longer would the Soviets launch counterattacks to try and break out of the circle, but they would dig in and force the Germans to launch infantry attacks into the city where their artillery and air support wouldn't be able to assist them. The strategy would later be called hugging the enemy. Sounds so nice.
0: They're <laughs> just going to hug him. Just gonna... there's, hey. there's always love and war. Hey, buddy, you know what? We don't have to fight. We're, all, we're both people.
1: We're both humans here, you know. We're Look, just, you got one, and I got one. Yeah, we'll just let's touch them.
0: Let's just hug each other. We can feel our, our, our erections through our pants. Yeah, uh, you know. Let let me see yours. <laughs> what what's its flavor? Do you, do you mind if I? This is some weird fanfic we're writing here. I? <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but the movie Enemy at the Gates is mm-hmm. is based on this movie. Yeah. So the fanfic you're writing is obviously called Enemy Enemy of the Gaze. Yeah. Yeah. See, see how I made it work? Yep. Okay, I do.
1: I knew where you were going right when you said <laughs> enemy at the gates. To lead this defense on the ground, Zhukov would send in General Vasily Chuikov, who swore that the army would defend Stalingrad or die.
0: Yeah, an interesting little note here um, about the hug the enemy thing. Basically, they said, we'll get close to him because the Germans won't use artillery or planes to bomb because right. it'll wipe out their own troops. The Russians had no problem launching artillery into their own positions while they're hugging the enemy. They're like, fuck it, don't care, gonna fuck shit up. I'm I'm way back here with the artillery, I'm like the safest guy
1: in this fucking battle. I'm feeling great, let's just fucking send it. Yeah, they would. And on September 12th, Polish played right into Zhukov's hands. He came up with a plan to march infantry into the southern part of the city and capture the ferry ports. He believed that this would cut off supply to Stalingrad and either force a mass surrender or allow the Germans to starve the city to death. He told Hitler that the ferry ports would be captured in 10 days and the rest of the city in another two weeks.
0: I mean, that's pretty much the timeline we're going to deal with here, plus a few months, but right or wrong. Basically. Yeah, basically. basically. It's
1: fine. His confidence meant that Hitler didn't remove any additional forces from Army Group Center to defend the flanks of Paulus's army and instead relied on Romanian and Italian forces to guard the rear. Uh, this is going to be pretty important later. Yeah, it's going to play a big role. Yeah. And I'll volunteer to guard the rear. No what I'm saying?
0: I don't know why this podcast is so homoerotic, but <sighs> it just keeps getting, going further and further. Yeah, me either.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: like, blew out of that closet and just started running a fucking
1: marathon. <laughs> <laughs> just dicks swinging in the wind. <laughs> Chuikov would arrive just as the offensive began. Like the other German offensives, it was proving to be very effective, and they had already plunged deep into the city. <sighs> Chuikov would order counter-offensives to slow the Germans and found that while the Germans still won these mini battles, they did have to move more cautiously through the city. Infantry would have to go ahead of tanks to root out any anti-tank positions, often having to clear each block house by house. The Germans called it Rattenkrieg, or Rat Warfare.
0: All right, in American.
1: Still, the Germans advanced steadily and were closing in on the ferry ports as well as Chuikov's bunker. At about 3 p.m. on September 14th, the Germans were just 200 yards away from Chuikov when General Alexander Rudimtsev arrived with the 13th Guards Division, a relief force of 10,000 men sent by Stalin. Rudimtsev told Chuikov he was ready to attack, he just needed some artillery cover. Chuikov said there was no artillery. Rudimtsev basically shrugged and said, fuck it. Let's go, bitch! Yeah. He turned to his men and told them to remember that there was no land behind the Volga and directed them into battle. Basically, No retreat. Yeah, You're across the river. You're here, motherfuckers. Let's go. In the first day of fighting, 3,000 of Radimtsev's men would be killed. By the end of the battle for Stalingrad, only 300 would still be alive.
0: What is that? You've lost 9,700 out of 10... I guess that's 97%. You've lost. Yeah. 9, 97% of your men are fucking
1: dead. Yeah, that's crazy. But on September 14th, the 13th Guards would successfully drive the Germans away from the ferry ports. Paulus's offensive had failed... But there was still a lot more rat warfare to be had.
0: All right, that's a good place to take a break. I feel like get us
1: some more drinks. I'm not drunk enough. No, I don't know. Just not. Just don't seem to be having that funny bone right now. Yeah, but I'm gonna go fucking get it. You're
0: like, man, this story about people just fucking burning and dying and starving. It's just- nah, that's not it. I was funny last week. <laughs> All I right. can laugh through
1: anything.
0: That's true. That is true. That cancer diagnosis of yours was just fucking hilarious. You should have
1: seen when I was six and my uncle was touching me <laughs> in the in the house when everybody was having a barbecue in the backyard. Mm-hmm. I was laughing my ass off. You know, just getting
0: that tickle just monster all over. Knowing up. that I was yeah. going to have
1: that fucking trauma <laughs> for the rest of my life. Hilarious. But at least he gave you a Kit Kat after. <laughs> <laughs> and a kiss on the lips. All right. Wolf Dick,
0: uh... You need anything? You good? Okay, he's not saying anything. Let's go get a drink. Bye.
1: Okay, guys, we are back. Oh, we are back. That was a particularly long break.
0: Yes, at least an hour and a half
1: by my watch. So I think what happened was, like I said, going into the break, I just wasn't, I wasn't feeling that funny bone. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know why. It's rainy outside today. Mm-hmm. You know, you look outside and it's, you could be a picture of depression. Yeah. you've been Just little... the rain on the window and you just peering out and frowning or something.
0: Yeah. When I showed up, you we were listening to a lot of the Dashboard Confessional. <laughs> <laughs> just like thinking about life a lot. And I'm like, you know, we need to stop this because we got to a podcast to do you can't be like all fucking depressed like billy corgan level depressed
1: (laughs) Uh, what billy corgan pretended to be yeah morrissey real life yes yeah so i figure what happened is you know chris got here and normally sit around bullshit have some drinks stuff like that Mm -hmm. and i feel like that kind of that gets me into the mood you know that gets me into the spirit yeah and i rub your nipples a little but it was only a little. Yeah. So we didn't get a lot of that this no, time. No, So at the break, I, you know, I had a little, I had some coffee mm-hmm. with all the whiskey we were drinking. And we got to bullshitting like we normally do. And I think that's why I realized it was missing, you know. Yeah. That's what was missing. Was, Your nipples perked right up. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. ding. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm feeling much better. I'm sure it's not the... Eight ounces of whiskey I had. <laughs> I think it was just the conversation. Oh, I've had a lot. With my friend.
0: I've had a lot of 106 proof uh
1: Balcones. 100 per 6 proof. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you a, sound like you've had a lot.
0: Well, you were all like, oh, I'm so depressed. Oh, life is say that. meaningless. That's not true. Oh, darkness is my existence. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. Let's talk it out. And while you're talking it out, I had a lot of whiskey and a lot of this brimstone by Balcones. And so I'm nice and toasted right yeah. now. Yeah. So it's probably pretty uh, loosey goosey, pretty fucking wheels off here in the back half of this horrible fucking battle.
1: All right. <laughs> um, do you want to give like just a quick recap to catch us up?
0: Yeah. So where we're at right now is in 1942, Hitler was heading south to try and get oil and coal from the Caucasus regions of the Soviet Union. Uh, basically, he needed that stuff for his own production, his own Panzer units.
1: Gotta get that lube.
0: Yeah. And so he's heading south, but then he sees, like we said, a tasty little morsel. Mm. Stalingrad, named after his mortal enemy, former best bud. That's usually how it goes, right? You're like, you're best friends with somebody, and then they turn against you, and now you're you're just fucking arch enemies. Then you
1: really want to turn the screw, yeah. That's, not just some regular like bum on the street that pisses you off, yeah. It's like no. That's I got me. an emotional connection with this guy.
0: That's me and you each week past yeah. like episode five. Mm-hmm. Like how can I fucking just twist this fucking knife? And yeah, yeah. Um, but he saw Stalingrad, and he said, "Okay, let's fucking take Stalingrad." There's a little bit of troop movement, diversion, all that. Uh, The Soviets build up their troops in Stalingrad, and it becomes this just fucking slog, what the Germans refer to as rat warfare, rotten Krieg, um, door-to-door, building-to-building warfare inside the city. Yep. And that's kind of where we are right now. Okay. Now, this is an overarching story. Um, obviously this is all about one giant battle, but within this battle, there are several, like mini battles, like little, oh yeah, little fights for territory inside Stalingrad. And so I'm going to get into some of those right here, such as on September 15th, the battle shifted to Mamayev Kurgan Park, which was in the center of the city. In the middle of the park was a 300 foot high hill that was actually an ancient burial mound. Now this was a key strategic point because it allowed for a full view of the city, as well as a place to launch artillery from. The Germans had taken the hill early on, but on September 16th, the Soviet forces, including the 13th Guards, who had lost 3,000 people in one day, launched an offensive and took the hill back. But the Germans then launched a counter-offensive and retook the hill. But then the Soviets launched another counter-counter-offensive and took it once again, the fighting for the hill would go on to the 27th, when both sides said, "ah, eh, fuck it, and just took up defensive positions
1: around the park. I like that it was a, like a counter-counter-offensive. It
0: just keeps going back and
1: forth, man. So many people counting. <laughs> just a bunch of Sesame Street fucking Draculas. Just, yeah. Vaughn! But it's all echoey, like, Vaughn! 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 You have the power to do that. Oh, and I'm sorry. Wolf
0: Dick, you have the power to do that. Just put some echo on. I was going to do
1: that. Oh,
0: okay. Son of a bitch. I'm sorry. I'm
1: sorry. I took your job. I mean, Wolf Dick was going to do it. Yeah.
0: It was said that not a blade of grass remained on the hill, and after the war, they found 1,000 pieces of metal from bullets and artillery in each square (laughs) meter of the hill.
1: I thought you were going to be like a, uh, well, actually, when you said they they would not find a blade of grass that remained on the hill. mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> and then he's like, well, they found over 1,000 pieces of grass. Those people were idiots. <laughs> no. But you were talking about uh, pieces metal, of metal. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah,
0: Which yeah. is fucking crazy. Even like, let's say an average bullet fragment's four times, five times, whatever. That has to be 200 bullets per meter of fucking dirt on this massive mm-hmm. hill. And you got to think it's getting shelled by artillery, you know, grenades, bullets, all that. You gotta think some of these ancient corpses are surfacing and it's just fucking hell on earth as you're trying to climb this muddy hill full of dead bodies. Ancient corpses? Ancient corpses. Ancient. As opposed to new corpses. Yeah, there's a difference. Yeah. How ancient are they? I don't know. I don't remember the the exact uh, type of people that, that buried their corpses here. It is mentioned in our primary source, but there there are people that preceded the soviets and russians that this was a burial mound it's kind of like their version of native yeah, americans I guess, I,
1: just, I guess my version of ancient might be different than maybe reality yeah or definitely yours yeah no
0: but it was like their version of native americans native russians whatever you will call them that mm-hmm. was their ceremonial burial mount. so we have a lot of these in the the mississippi valley down in mississippi the what the mississippi valley <laughs> <laughs> Another mini battle happened in the southern part of the city around an old grain elevator that was so large and stoutly built that it easily withstood artillery fire and aerial bombardment. Still, the Germans had it completely surrounded, and on September seventeenth, only fifty-two Soviets remained to defend it. Just a few good men. Mm-hmm. Few sexy
1: communists. And honestly, with the Soviets, probably a few good men and women. Oh yeah, that
0: was commonplace. Yeah,
1: because uh, everybody was enlisted do you to fight. F- do you feel like
0: and maybe this is a tangent that shouldn't be on this podcast, but do you feel like our one of our sources, that that episode of greatest events of World War II in color, mm. went out of their way to express how women fought in this battle?
1: Uh, I don't think that's bad because it is so rare. It is rare. I don't feel like
0: it's bad, but I feel like it was kind of like... It know, was shoehorned in there for it, sure. It was kinda but like,
1: I think that is one of the things... That is notable about this Russian force. Yeah. Is their use of women. Yeah, um, they did. Yeah. A lot of these German soldiers were shocked to see women on the battlefield. Yeah, because
0: they were super sexist and their women needed to be home making fucking bratwurst with sauerkraut.
1: Right. It was, yeah, their ideal version it, of a woman. And then all of a sudden, these people that you see as barbaric, these mm-hmm. Slavs, everybody's out fighting. And as it said in that particular documentary, it was at that point they realized, like, okay, we're not just killing an army, we're having to exterminate a people.
0: Yeah, and it, it also, on the flip side, kind of drove home the point that these were lesser people. Like, they would never ask their women to go out and no, battle. No, definitely. There was yeah. a
1: superiority complex about it. Yeah. It was these these... They're barbaric for doing this. and
0: But the way Stalin had set it up, there really wasn't any avoiding the women fighting in this battle. No. Like they, they couldn't escape the city. No. And you have really- you were not
1: allowed to leave except yeah, under a general's orders.
0: Yeah, you have no option here but to fight. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they joined these, like we talked about in the first part, the citizen's brigades or citizen battalions where they, they basically just have to go to war for them. Yeah. And one thing that that uh, documentary brought up is a lot of these women were uh, snipers. And because, you know, it didn't require didn't require a large unit, so you could use a few women. Uh, Am <laughs> I right? You know, a woman doesn't have a large unit, you yeah. know what I mean? And she doesn't need one, right, ladies? <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, but also they were patient, and they could pick their targets and all that stuff that mm-hmm. some of the Soviet men weren't known for. Soviet men were known for to just rush into battle, kill what I can, and just fucking
1: die. That was what a Soviet man of duty was. But and what if, I, one thing I didn't realize um, that probably should be saved for the segment where we talk about surprises and misconceptions at mm-hmm. the end, but I'll I'll find something else. <laughs> is that these women were actually like fighter pilots too? Oh yeah, like I talked about the the one woman who on her second day got two confirmed kills. Like, yeah,
0: she was a the first like woman ace yeah. of the World War II. Yeah. yeah, I wish I remembered her name, but you know, history not herstory. Am I right, guys? Jesus.
1: Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, something foreign, you know.
0: Yeah, something Russian, something stupid, something girly.
1: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> are there girly Russian names? I don't know. I feel like all Russian names are girly. Have, are they? I feel probably, like they're almost like German names, to where yeah, they're all kind of Vasili
0: or uh, what was the Gosov's name from Chernobyl? Is it, it was
1: something like Alexei? Ana-
0: Alexei, yeah, no. like Anatoly. Anything that ends in e is kind of girly. Yeah,
1: I guess in English it is.
0: Yeah. I didn't want to be sexist, but it just fucking happened. Just, you made me be sexist, Greg. You made me. It happened. Way to bring up women. If you hadn't brought up women, I would not have said anything sexist this episode. You sure to be a sexist. Well, on September 18th, the Germans attacked that grain elevator with multiple tanks. The grain inside caught fire. The cooling water for the machine guns evaporated. The drinking water evaporated. The tanks continued to fire, killing many of the men inside, and they were desperately low on ammo. On September 19th, a tank approached with a white flag. The Germans called out to the Soviets and told them that they should surrender. One of the Soviets shouted, Uh, I can't do a Russian accent. Can you do a Russian accent?
1: I can give it a shot. Give it a shot. Tell all of your Nazis to go to hell. You can go back, but only on foot.
0: I like it. It sounds like it should have the Tetris theme in the background.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's a great fucking song.
0: (laughs) Then the Russians attacked that one tank with their two anti-tank guns and destroyed it. Just fuck it up. Just like, fuck you. All right. You had your chance. Yeah. 200 German soldiers. (laughs) They look at each other just like, (sighs) yeah. Okay. (laughs) Boom. Boom. I like to think that. Bye. So this is the account of one specific Russian uh, from our main source. He gives a big, long quote from this guy telling the story. I feel like as the two tanks are firing, like anti-tank guns are firing, like he raises Mm -hmm. one middle finger and then (laughs) raises the other. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Well, anyways, 200 German soldiers rushed the elevator and stormed inside. The tower was filled with smoke from the burning grain and explosions, and no one could see hardly anything several of the Soviets were able to make an escape by running right past the fucking Germans just escaped right out the front door
1: Be right, Jenkins <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah like yeah yeah go get them they're up there guys <laughs> <laughs> no they're shooting at us go get them yeah. please <laughs> <laughs> yeah I love Hitler <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> the
1: Germans took the oh I'm gonna fucking take that out of oh, context oh yeah absolutely <laughs>
0: our, our new intro is just gonna be us praising the Nazis <laughs> just segments
1: oh no just you <laughs>
0: The Germans took the elevator, but it caused the southern advance in the in the city to grind to a complete fucking halt. Several generals told Pallas that he should pull tanks out of the city because they were ineffective. He called them defeatists. Basically, like, how dare you fucking question me for yeah. sending tanks into this fucking tight corridor where they can't do shit. We've lost our mobility. They're basically like slow-moving backup for infantry. But of course, yeah, fuck you, you're defeatists. Sure. And he had all of them reassigned. Like every general, Jim, yep, every general that said we should do this, he's like, yeah. uh,
1: maybe you should be running our sanitation department, shithead. And that's what, you know, unfortunately, or fortunately, whatever, however you see it, um, for these armies, unfortunately, both on the Soviet and the Nazi side, was it was all sycophants. You yeah. Know? And if you weren't a sycophant from the top down, then you weren't on board. You were going to get fucking shipped yeah. off or killed. You, were in, uh, you had to be in complete agreement with the person above you. Yeah, there wasn't room for questioning. And it started at the top.
0: That's shit tier leadership. Agreed. You know, basically any good leader, I'm going to give you guys a leadership seminar right now. Any good leader should be able to listen to their subordinates and take their advice into consideration at the very least. And every one of these guys are like, fuck you. I told you to move the tanks in the city. Move the fucking tanks into the city. I don't care what happens. Especially in these situations where you have, like, Hitler, he's in Berlin. Way
1: off, yeah. And Stalin's in Moscow. Trust the people that are there looking at it. Yeah,
0: none of that matters to either one of these guys. You put them in
1: these positions for a reason. Right.
0: Yeah, but none of that matters. Nope.
1: It's what I say goes. I'm not there, but what I say goes. It's just, like I said, shit tier leadership. But to be fair to Paulus, he's trying to tell Hitler one thing, and Hitler's like, nope. Keep pressing forward. You know, eventually we get into the story to where he's like, all right, uh, we need to get out of here. Spoiler alert, by the way. And uh, Hitler's like, no. Yeah, no. No. You're not doing it. Yeah, fuck you. And actually, Hitler was no help either. Generals told
0: him that he should pull out of the city and surround it. Basically, winter is coming. Let's just pull back.
1: Yeah, you got to pull out when it's coming. Yeah, exactly. You know. Better honor than inner.
0: That's what I say. Wait, no, that's not the joke. I'm going to name my daughter Honor. You
1: know why? Hmm. Better honor than enter. Am I right? I guess. I guess that's a terrible. So am I going to name my daughter on I don't know. (laughs) It doesn't make sense. How would I even have a daughter at that point?
0: (laughs) Well, one general said Hitler instead would give like these vague and meaningless orders. He'd just be like waving his hand over a map saying, push here or push here. Like it never made any fucking sense. Like it's like pointing at a crowd and
1: saying, hey, you, I know what you did. Right. But he would refuse to withdraw his troops. It almost seems like somebody that's trying to pretend they know what they're doing. Yeah. So it's like you have this giant map and you just kind of like do it over there and let people infer what they will because they actually know what they're talking about but he doesn't want to admit that they know more than him about this situation. That's the way it seems to me. Like, just kind of broadly gesturing over the Soviet side of the map and being like, push here. You just wave over the whole fucking city. Hoping the experts are like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we got you. We got you, bud. Yeah, we're going to do that.
0: Can I tell you something that is, this might not make this episode, but is a dream of mine Mm. for our, if we do video series. Man on man. No, no, that's in a happen-
1: podcasting studio. That's oh, happened multiple oh, never, times. Never mind,
0: multiple times. Okay. Um, no, but like we have our own maps or sand table or whatever, and like we re- reenact these battles. Like we we'll do a civil war series, and we react to these battles. Where mm-hmm. like here's how I'd push my troops. Do we get the little pushy thing? That- yes. Oh, yeah. Little yeah, stick. Let's yeah, do it. and you you kind of push the troops. Here's how
1: I do it. And then we compare it to actual generals and just see how we'd fare. Dude, honestly, we should just get a gigantic risk board. Uh-huh. And then that's how we would push our units around on the risk board is with one of those little those general pushy sticks. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, a
1: boy can dream.
0: I can. Okay, anyway. Meanwhile, the fighting continued. Yay. Paulus then brought in Dora. The Explorer. do 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 dora do 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 dora
1: I don't have a kid, so I don't know the song. Yeah,
0: well, very rarely does the actual version of Dora come up. Uh, Dora was a giant artillery cannon that fired shells that weighed seven tons each. That's a lot of weight. That's 14,000 pounds for you Americans.
1: I guess tons are... It's actually 14,000 pounds for anybody. No matter
0: what, it's fine.
1: But, (laughs) yeah.
0: The cannon was so big that it had to sit on a railroad car, and it could only fire 14 times a day. That's not a lot. No. That that thing had to cool down a bunch. Not only that, trying to lift 14,000 pounds of artillery shell into the fucking cannon. I would watch Dora the Explorer if it was about this fucking cannon. I'm not going to lie. It was just like, they're singing about their backpacks and their maps, and all of a sudden Dora pulls out this fucking giant fucking artillery shell the size of a Volkswagen Beetle and fires it into a city, and she's like, now we've conquered the troll under the bridge. Fuck that guy.
1: <laughs> okay, you don't. I don't know what any of that means. You,
0: parents know. Okay, and they're like, "Yeah, fuck that troll. I'm the nasty old troll who lives under the bridge. They're like, yeah, shell him. Just fucking blow that bridge to hell. Fuck that guy, and then we'll build our own pontoon bridge. Pontoon pontoon bridge, and we'll cross the river and make our way to Ice Cream Mountain on our own. So it's fine, All right. <laughs> I agree." <laughs> Inside the city, snipers were everywhere. The most famous was Soviet sniper Vasily Zatsev, who would lie perfectly still in rubble for days on end, fire one time, and then remain motionless until nighttime when he could move to another position. By the time the war was over, he had 224 confirmed kills.
1: Confirmed?
0: Yeah. Quote, unquote. Well, I mean, how many people you gut shot and they just drop, you're like, mm, maybe. Or who's doing the counting? Well, his spotter, I, well, he probably didn't have a spotter back then. No. It's just him. Yeah. Either way, it's still pretty impressive.
1: Like, it's... Uh, he, he, I agree. I'm sure he killed a fucking ton of people, mm-hmm. which is impressive for, yeah. he, you know, being a sniper yeah. in the army. Not just if you're pot-shotting homeless people. <laughs> I think that's impressive. I think you've but, way
0: more than 224.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, these numbers are dubious. It is. Um,
0: we don't know how many people he actually killed, but he is, he is the basis of that movie, what we
1: talked about. Mm-hmm. Enemy at the Gates. Enemy at the Gates. And you can bet your bottom dollar, even if his claim is 224, it was at least a couple. Even if you kill half of that, you kill 112. Or if you kill 10% of that. I mean, it's yeah, still a lot of people. It is a lot of people. Still killing and, 24 fucking people.
0: Yeah. That's more than I've killed. I'm only up to like 17. But <laughs> Rookie. Good, good luck finding the bodies, FBI. Anyway, no, but he's like, he is like the godfather of the modern sniper. Whereas, like Don River? Yes. Oh, kiss the, ring. <laughs> kiss the ring. Kiss the ring. Kiss the ring. Kiss the ring. I lie in <laughs> rubble all day. <laughs> but no, like now, like if you said, oh, he lied in rubble for days, he didn't move till night. For, for people who understand modern warfare and modern snipers, that's not a big deal. Like, these guys are trained to lay in the same position for days and basically shit their pants,
1: piss their pants. Doggy style is the position.
0: Yeah, and just lay there. He basically created this. This was his... If I don't move in this rubble or this fucking standpipe or whatever, these pile of corpses, no one will spot me. I can fire one shot, kill one guy, wait till nightfall, move out of that position, move to another pile of corpses. That was basically... The creation of the modern sniper, so yeah, I do give him a little bit of credit for that, for sure,
1: moving from one position to another, you yeah, know, transitioning to that reverse cowgirl, mm-hmm. you know it, yeah, that's skillful, you know what
0: I have without to, a, you know falling out I have to imagine that sitting a reverse cowgirl and firing a sniper shot is pretty fucking amazing, like you're not even, you're just over your shoulder back behind
1: you. <laughs> And it never falls out. Yeah. (laughs) Keep on going. That's skill. (laughs) True skill.
0: Well, another famous mini battle to arise from Stalingrad was the fight for Pavlov's house.
1: Oh, and his poor, poor dog.
0: Different Pavlov. Oh. But I like it. Oh, I do like the reference. We should do a, a Minnesota hangover on Pavlov's dog, because... Like,
1: they, they ring the doorbell, and the dogs fucking come, and then they blow it up.
0: Yeah, well, do you know he actually cut off the heads of some of his dogs to do those tests to see if they still salivated after he rang the bell when they were dead and their heads were decapitated? I did not know that. Yeah, that's a fun experiment, fun for everybody. So, maybe we should do a hangover on that Pavlov,
1: but this is a different Pavlov. And we can recreate the experiment on air? Yes. But maybe instead of dogs, we just use something Homeless. less... Oh, well... <laughs> I wasn't going to
0: say that, but yeah, I'm on board. I was going to say women, but that's probably too
1: far. That's too far, Chris. (laughs) That is too far. What about a homeless woman? Oh, well, that's not even a real woman. That's not a person. Yeah, Yeah, okay. That's a (laughs) Untermensch.
0: Oh, why does anyone listen to this? (laughs) Now, Pavlov's house was a four-story apartment building located at an important intersection. The Soviets had placed anti-tank rifles on the roof, several machine gun nests in the windows, and created a trench system which led away from the building to an area like reserve soldiers and such. Yeah. The building was named after Sergeant Yakov Pavlov, which is my favorite 1980s comedian. (laughs) He was placed in charge of the building after the senior leader was wounded and transported away. At no time did more than 50 men occupy the building, and that fifty was constantly changing because people would get wounded, he'd bring up reserves and all that is basically never the same guys.
1: But uh, you had to, you know, adhere to fire code. Right. Fifty man max. At max, there's a sign posted at the entrance. You want in, somebody else in the club gotta die. <laughs> That's exactly how
0: nightclubs operate at mm-hmm. this point in time. Well, for me, uh Pavlov's house is kind of like that old uh I can't remember the name of the ship. But it was a it was a Greek philosopher who brought this up. Basically, you have a ship. It goes to battle. Certain parts of the ship are damaged. You replace that part of the ship. Damaged. Yeah, and then you go to another battle. Parts of that ship are damaged. You replace the other parts. Eventually, all the parts are new. Is right. It, is it is, the,
1: it is it the same ship? Or there? if you put all the replaced parts and built a ship out of them? Yeah. Well, then would that be the original ship? Right. Right, so that's
0: kind of what we're dealing with Pavlov's house. It's never the same fifty guys. It's always changeover because so many people died. This fucking house.
1: I like that even though it's a different Pavlov, it's still kind of this thought experiment. It
0: it really is. Yeah, you still have to think about it. You yeah. still have to go. Okay, it's different fifty guys. Is it the same? Is it still? Is it still this unit? Or yeah. Or, is it? No? I don't know.
1: Yeah.
0: Why don't you guys think about that for a while? But anyway, I'm going to continue with this fucking horrific story. Yay. It is said that Pavlov personally destroyed 12 German tanks, and each night he and his men would have to go out in the streets and push over the piles of dead German soldiers so that they had
1: clear firing lanes. You know, just another Thursday night. That's fucked up. Normal man. old maintenance around the around the <laughs> property. You got to do things like that. Like even let's
0: let's relate this to to American country terms, right? Like you're in like you live in a rural town, right? And you have a squirrel problem. Imagine one night you kill 5,000 squirrels mm-hmm. and you got to go out there and clear the fucking squirrels so that when the next squirrel comes out of the tree, you can clear, you can kill that next squirrel. Yeah. That is fucked up. Just thinking about squirrels, that is fucked up. Human wise, it's just fucking mind boggling.
1: I don't know. I hate squirrels. <laughs> that is true. Like fucking rats with fluffy tails. They are.
0: They are overrated. All oh, they are. And they are taking over this goddamn earth, and no one's noticing. Wake up, sheeple. <laughs> we just turned into info wars about squirrels. I'm okay with that, <laughs> and I fucking hate info wars <laughs> and Alex Jones. Anyways, after this whole situation at Pavlov's house, uh, Chukov, who led the Soviet forces in the area, if you don't remember, he would later joke joke, that Hitler lost more men attempting to take Pavlov's house than he did taking Paris. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's wrong. I don't think he is either, but still, it's like, ha <laughs> ha so many of your people died, so many of my people died too, but
1: <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> Fuck you, Hitler. <laughs> gotcha, you stupid idiot.
0: In October, Paulus reported to Hitler that his offensive had ground to a halt. So what did Hitler do? He's like, okay, well, let's think about this for a second. What should I do? Immediately order another offensive. Yeah. Yeah. He believed that his position inside Stalingrad was similar to the one inside Verdun in 1916. If you guys aren't familiar with this, uh, eventually we probably will do a series on World War II or World War I battles, and stuff like that. Uh, Yeah,
1: and this is a one.
0: Yeah. Verdun was set up as a meat grinder.
1: Uh, The... Very similar to Stalingrad. Yeah, the
0: leader the leader of the German forces, uh, Falkenheim, designed for Dunn. He was going to draw the French forces in, as many as he could get into the city, and then just shell the shit He's out of it. Just put a
1: bunch of baguettes and berets in there, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like a little mousetrap. Oh, let's
0: get them, we'll call them Frenchies in here. A bunch of pictures of ladies with hairy armpits. and <laughs> I bet she smells awful. <laughs> and then they rush in.
1: I love it.
0: Yeah. And so he would draw them in, just, just, just decimate them with artillery from yeah. the hills around Verdun, and then rush in with his troops. The difference here is at the end of Verdun, when it was examined in future years, they could look at it and go and they could say, if he had just pushed a little harder, am <laughs> I right? The French would have fallen right there. That was pretty much the extent of their forces, but he pulled his own guys out, and it turned into another fucking World War One stalemate. You know, yeah, battle of attrition. At that point, um, he pulled his own guys out, and he didn't finish the job, so to speak.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now we're not going to do a series on that because we just summarized it in thirty seconds. I still think we should do. We could do. It, oh, right? I, I definitely yeah. agree. But Hitler, at this point, he's
0: like, okay, this is very similar to Verdun. The Russians are on the tipping point. We have all the power. We are hammering them. He, mm-hmm. he thinks one more push could win the battle, which,
1: eh, eh, no. One more push and she'll uh, she'll get hers.
0: Uh, oh, no, I've uh, gone soft. Uh, That's exactly oh no. what happens right here. <laughs> the offensive did gain ground in the north, and it forced uh, Choikov to relocate his headquarters. But the Soviets were dug in and the offensive did not move fast enough. November arrived, and with it came the shit-tacular Russian
1: winter. Ooh, yeah. Mm. About to get cold up in this bitch.
0: So cold. Like, unimaginably cold. Like, negative 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Cold.
1: Ah, uh, I can imagine it. I can't. I live in I Texas. can imagine walking outside mm. and immediately turning into an icicle. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not that cold, so...
0: Well, like we talked about in the last episode, these uh, icicles would taste like sauerkraut and lederhosen, or the inner thigh of a robin cosplayer.
1: You did say both of those things. I did, yeah. Neither one of them made sense.
0: But we're from Texas. It's like 50 degrees outside right now, and I'm like, holy fuck! Like, why is this so fucking cold out here? Where's my overcoat?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got, like, fucking newspapers wrapped around me inside my fucking what? overcoat. No. No. No, no. I have a home, Greg. It's an efficiency apartment, but okay. it's home.
1: <laughs> I was about to put you out of your misery. I know. He
0: was about to. He, he literally cocked a revolver and pointed it at my face. I had, to, I had to fucking adjust a little bit there because, don't tell Greg, but I got kicked out of my efficiency apartment. I currently live nowhere. I'm on the streets.
1: Okay. Uh, would you like to continue the story of Stalin, Greg? Well, I have switched over to a beer for the first time in this podcast, I'm drinking a Mosaic IPA. I'm horribly disappointed in you. From community, like Soviet. I've obviously taken the Russian side of the story because it's all about the community. It is, except in this fake-ass version of communism they have. Uh, Yeah, they do have. Not that a real one would work, but yeah, let's see, America. This this certainly isn't communism. Vote Greg Twenty (laughs) Twenty. Well, as winter set in, the Germans figured that the Soviets would launch a counteroffensive at Stalingrad, but believed it would be a small one that the 6th Army could easily defeat. They were convinced that the Soviets were actually planning an offensive up north against Army Group center.
0: See, here's the problem you run into when you have basically a thousand-mile front running from the northern tip of the Soviet Union down to the southern tip. Mm -hmm. You have no idea where the counter is going to come from. And so they thought, okay, we just lost at Moscow, and so obviously that's where they're going to strike. They're going to strike the center, move through our center, kind of cut us off, move into Poland, come into Germany, all that. They were
1: wrong. Yeah. You know, because all they have to go off of is basically their, you know, spy network, their their observations. Uh, And speaking of observations, you know, this whole belief came from German observations that the Soviets were – frequently bringing new troops to the front line in the north and then rotating them. In reality, the Soviets have been planning a large-scale offensive in the south since mid-September. It was called Operation Uranus. <laughs> I had an 8th grade science teacher,
0: real prick, uh-huh. not care for that guy. He insisted on calling it
1: Uranus so that you know, <laughs> all of us... He was going to fucking fight this one-man battle <laughs> yeah. against the proper... Pronunciation of this name. Yeah, we hated this guy. <laughs> he also
0: said there's no such thing as cold, only absence of heat. Which is it, that is true. It's technically true, yeah. but when you're like sitting in class It's a
1: descriptor,
0: motherfucker. Yeah, you're sitting in class and it's like forty degrees in the classroom, you're like M- mr hawkins it's very cold in here there's no such thing as cold you're like please you pedantic, you pedantic asshole yeah please turn on the fucking heater no it is cold <laughs> cold is a fucking absence of heat you <laughs> dumb motherfucker yeah but he insisted because he w- seventh
1: grade chris <laughs>
0: yeah exactly he was he uh taught earth sciences he insisted on calling it Uranus, so that all of us 15-year-olds wouldn't giggle our heads off. Well, he's a stupid idiot. He is. He's probably dead now, so fuck that guy. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's Uranus.
0: Hope Jesus is up in heaven saying, Uranus, Uranus, Uranus. And he's like, what does this have to do with it?
1: I don't know. I don't know a lot about this science teacher, Uh huh. but if I know anything... He He's went, in hell. <laughs> he went to hell. So Satan's like, like, burning in hell for all eternity. Uranus.
0: Uranus. Yes, Uranus. there we go.
1: I don't mean the planets. Or maybe Jesus is just coming over for a little... He just visits. Friday night social. Yeah. Throwing back a couple. Heaven's and got... And then it. they're both down there. I don't want to get... Uranus.
0: Uranus. I don't, <laughs> don't want to get too religious, but heaven has to be pretty boring. Getting everything you want. So you go to
1: hell! Oh yeah, I won the lottery again! Yay! Cool! I'm super rich. Get pop- to hang out with my fucking uncle that touched me. Yeah,
0: because he repented on his deathbed.
1: Yeah, he he said he was sorry and f- cool. Yay! Heaven's my, so fun.
0: My podcast has more than four listeners.
1: Yay! Sometimes I just want to go to hell, listen to some fucking metal, <laughs> throw it around for a bit. Yeah, but then go back home to heaven to sleep it off. Right. You know, nice, peaceful cloud of pillowy, you know, warmth and goodness. I got to imagine that's
0: what Jesus does. We should write a new New Testament, a newer Testament.
1: WWJD. Yeah. He, you know,
0: he would go to hell to party on Fridays and come yeah. back to heaven. On Saturday, he's like,
1: oof. He's got a fucking head-banging set of hair, too. Sorry, Dad. He could definitely do that little helicopter thing they do at the metal concerts, the dudes with long hair. Yeah, and you know... Lucky you, motherfucker.
0: You think about it, Jesus was supposed to be like us. He was like a man that was God, you know, like kind of a man living amongst us. Oh,
1: yeah. So is Bill Gates, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> well, either way... I'm just regular Joe.
0: How many of us have spent a Saturday morning hunched over the toilet... Just begging God for forgiveness, saying, I'll never do that again. You got to think Jesus has spent at least one Saturday morning. He spent the night in hell. He got fucking loaded. Dad. He <laughs> like, Dad, I'm sorry. Dad. Dad, just make it stop. Just move <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> What are we talking about? Stalingrad? Oh, yeah, something <laughs> like that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the idea was that the Soviets would strike out from the north and the south and attack the German flanks, which were guarded by the Romanian soldiers who were disinterested in fighting the Soviets and who were not prepared for winter warfare. They needed Vlad. Vlad had been dead for 700 years, but they needed Vlad. I needed him.
0: Yeah, he would have, he would have shaped this, sh- this shit up right, right quick, just impaled the fuck out of the centers,
1: but these guys uh. are... <laughs> Whatever. The two flanks would hook up and encircle the 6th Army, and then Soviet infantry would close the circle. Basically, a blitzkrieg. Yeah, you know was- th- this is—they're doing the same thing that the Germans are known for. Right. They're doing the pincer movement, circling around the back to the uh, basically the troops that aren't interested in in fighting. Right. Not that they knew that, but it wasn't the battle-hardened soldiers in the front that are being encircled, and so they were able to do it. And once that happens, you're fucked.
0: Yeah. And, well, I mean, you look at it, and like we talked about earlier. Uh, we hinted at this from foreshadowing that Hitler had the option of bringing up German reserves to support the flanks of the Sixth Army as they pushed into Stalingrad. Yes. And he said, no, the Romanians and the Italians, they'll they'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you're, even from a Soviet perspective, like how much hunt do the, the, these Romanian dogs have in them, right? Or Italians?
1: Yeah, this like, isn't going to be their land if they do win it. Yeah, they don't. This isn't it. their fucking Laban's realm.
0: Yeah, their their Labia room. Labia realm. room. Mm-hmm. They're but they're only there because the Germans supported them on their campaigns, and so they said, "Okay, we'll support you on your campaign." But at the same time, how much of a shit do they give if the Germans lose?
1: Yeah, for sure. In October, General Zhukov began moving his forces towards Stalingrad. The troops only moved at night, and none of the leaders besides Zukov and a select few were told about the grand scheme, or why they were moving their troops at all. Zukov estimated he needed five new bridges built to mount the attack. So what does he do? He builds 11 all along the Volga River to disguise the crossing points. Good yeah, idea. It's kind of what the
0: Allies do during uh, D-Day. Like, yeah. kind of disguise where they're going mm-hmm. to attack. Yeah, All
1: the of... inflatable tanks and artillery pieces. Yeah. yeah. Now, also, troops on the front line were ordered to build and reinforce defensive positions to make it look like they were settling in for the winter.
0: Kind of like a master deception move. Like, mm-hmm. you have no idea what's coming, bitch.
1: We already said that. Yeah,
0: here, here it comes. Trench coat open.
1: <laughs> <laughs> on November 19th at 7 a.m., the attack began.
0: Oh, first of all, I'd like to commend the Russians. Because the stupid fucking Germans, they're like, when we begin our blitz, it's gonna be at three a.m. It's so gotta be at like fucking one thirty. Like you hadn't slept, you're all methed out because fucking Tom uh, Theodore Morell is all like fucking feeding you vitamins. They're mm-hmm. all meth, and you're like, Ugh, get up. You gotta have a cup of coffee. Invade the Russians. Do it smart. They're like seven a.m. Let's fucking do it. Whataburger's still serving breakfast. It's fine. We'll get a fucking taquito. Boom.
1: Yeah. Attack the Germans. And for most of the world that doesn't know what Whataburger is or doesn't have one... Fuck you, you're... I'm sorry. Yeah,
0: you're in the wrong. It's delicious. Yeah. I might hit them up after this episode. Not a bad idea. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. The Romanians offered little to no resistance. Only a few German reserve units were discovered by the advancing Russian tanks... But those Germans had dug in, and so the Soviets just drove around them and proceeded on.
0: <laughs> like, fuck you.
1: Yep. <laughs>
0: oh, look, some Germans, those just turn right.
1: Mm, see you later, Krauts. By 6 a.m. on November 21st, the encirclement of the German 6th Army had been completed. So, you know, this is in a matter of basically two days. Yeah. They it, have now completely surrounded the it, German army in Stalingrad. It
0: only took two days because they launched... Even though it's supposed to be blitzkrieg, you're supposed to be doing this uh, double pincer. They launched the north a day earlier, and then they launched the south on the 20th. It really, there was no resistance. They just fucking whoop,
1: circled yep. around them. Well, Adolf Hitler orderled, ordered, ordered General Menstein, who led a panzer army and army group north, to head to Stalingrad to aid Paulus. It's a little weird he didn't pick somebody from army group center, but whatever. Eh, you know. Yeah. General Paulus realized that his only hope was to flee Stalingrad and break the encirclement, basically. And, uh, you know, good old Hitler. Yeah. Who replied, quote, the Sixth Army.
0: Must no, nope, German. German accent, please. God damn it.
1: <laughs> the Sixth Army must know I am doing everything to relieve them. I will issue my autos in good time. I touch my own nipples when Sorry. I watch Price is Right. I have a German accent, and then I have, like, a, a Hitler, Hitler <laughs> accent. That, so I had to do my Hitler. But that's... <laughs> like, dude's fired up about fucking everything. Everything. <laughs> He's met out. You know, what do you expect? Yeah. So, General Paulus didn't know, you know, what the fuck that meant, <laughs> so he began to make plans to break out. He's like, hey, don't worry about it. I got a plan. Like,
0: What's the fucking plan, man? <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs>
1: like Now, before Paulus could mount an escape attempt, Goering told Hitler that his Luftwaffe could supply the 6th Army through airdrops. In turn, on November 24th, Hitler sent word to Paulus that he was to remain in place and that, quote-unquote, Fortress Stalingrad must be defended at all costs.
0: So stupid. Yeah. This is an idiotic order.
1: so dumb. Now, Manstein arrived and began to, you know, plan his attack he would drive into Stalingrad from the west with his panzer units. That's what I call my penis. A panzer unit? Uh, yeah. Or panzer units. Panzer unit. Am
0: I right? Pants? Oh, uh-huh. I get it. Because you wear pantsuits. I do. Yeah. Shoulder pads and everything. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. It, make sense. it looks good on my 600-pound frame to make me look like I have <laughs> shoulders. <laughs> I'm not just a blob of fat. Oh. I have shoulders as
1: well. <laughs> for the attack to work, uh, General Pallas would have to drive the 6th Army from the east to try and link up with Manstein's forces. Pallas was hesitant to do so because he knew, basically, he was going to lose a ton of his fucking men in the effort.
0: Yeah, so it's a little confusing the way our main source words it, but basically Pallas thought 15% of his forces would lo- would suffer a 100% casualty rate. Yeah. So it sounds like, okay, he's only going to have 15% casualty rate. No, that's not what that means. It's mm-hmm. basically like, if I send out... You know, 100 armies, 15 of those are just going to fucking disappear. Yeah,
1: the rest are still going to have casualties. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at the same time, Hitler continued to interfere by sending vague and confusing orders to hold Stalingrad without any real indication as to basically how it could be done.
0: It's kind of the reverse of what happened during Operation Barbarossa we talked about in the last episode, where the Russian forces would be surrounded and totally outnumbered, outclassed, out-equipped, and Stalin would say, your orders are to win the battle. And you're like, what the fuck does that mean? How do I do uh, it? And there were no actual, like, strategic implements to, to tell you how to win that battle.
1: It's it was just, the, kind of the Spartan philosophy of, you know, defend with your shield or come back on it. Yeah. You know, it was something like that. I don't remember the exact quote, but...
0: No, that yeah, that's pretty accurate. It was
1: basically like, all right, well, either... Do your fucking job or die trying.
0: It's crazy how much both Stalin and Hitler fall back on like Roman discipline or even Greek discipline during these battles, mm-hmm. uh, where they they fall back on those tactics of, well, here we are, we're just going to defend it until we
1: die, the last man, and that's how this goes. It's because it's still just like World War One, mm-hmm. even though we have uh, at this point in history. Means to overcome it, it's it still falls back on those ancient battle tactics. Yeah, just like World War One obviously showed how outdated those battle tactics were. Now we have tanks, uh, way better. Yeah, you know, uh, militaries air wise, plus all this artillery to where we can move around. Germany showed us that, and with the Blitzkrieg offensives, but they still, for whatever reason. Whatever military history they studied, that's that's the correct thing to do. Yeah,
0: and that's the that's the thing. Um, we're both from Texas. We didn't study Roman history, we studied Texas history instead. Did you get that when you were in school? Yeah. The history of Texas. But a lot of middle school. A lot of the middle school for the rest of the nation are Roman history. And I feel like a lot of people fall back on those. These were good tactics. Let's continue these tactics. Um, this is the first time in history anybody ever actually thought about, here's how we should use our forces here, how we should deploy, here's how we def- should defend. But it's like, at some point you have to ignore history. And I hate to say that as a history podcast, but at some point during battle, you have to realize your station, your technology, and here's how we can adjust to make everything work for how we have adapted to, you know, The situation we can we have blitzkrieg tools. Why are we attacking Stalingrad? Why are we bogging down in a man on man war instead of just fucking surrounding it and starving it like we did Leningrad?
1: Well, and also you you would have to be able to just completely kill the arrogance of both of these leaders. That is that I think that is the biggest reason that this happened. Not so much the military uh, mind frame. Yeah. But just the arrogance on both sides. Like, I think it was really fucking dumb for Hitler to do this. You but know, what? on on Stalin's side to overly defend this and send people into the meat grinder like he did. That's fucking stupid too.
0: Our our main source, uh, Stalingrad by Rupert Matthews, compares it. And, <laughs> Rupert and I fucking I love this comparison because. Uh I've I've studied this and I think it's an unnecessary battle that we just created out of nothing. He compares this very much to Gettysburg.
1: Yeah. No, and it makes complete sense. There is no strategic value to this position. It's like all right, we're, we're, there, ju- we're there, gonna it's f- motherfucker. It, We're just gonna fucking do this yeah.
0: right here. Your army versus my army. Let's see who fucking
1: wins. It's like going out behind the bar and getting into a little fist fight.
0: Yeah, and it, none of it makes sense. From a strategic standpoint, you can say, okay, I don't give a shit about Stalingrad. I can move on. I can take these oil fields or. Uh, yeah, it
1: wasn't part of the original plan.
0: Yeah, and, or even from Stalin's standpoint, I can distribute my troops along the fucking the offensive, the border here, yeah. or, or the
1: invasion, and I can strike out wherever the fuck I want. But, but again, it was his namesake, and yeah. that was where he fought. In the Civil War in yeah. Russia and yes. won. Yeah, that so, was a big thing. It's a huge thing for him. Yeah,
0: and that's, I mean, thats it's Gettysburg to a T. It's, this is here, we're here, you're here, let's just fucking finish this. But again,
1: this. it's arrogant. Yeah. It's so arrogant on yeah. both sides.
0: Yeah. And I really do want to do a series on the Civil War just to get to Gettysburg. Just to
1: I want to do Gettysburg for sure. Yeah, just
0: see how Lee fucked that all up.
1: Gettysburg, dude, it was more than Lee.
0: Well- Just Pickett's Charge. Pickett's Charge was just fucking... Pickett's
1: Charge was dumb as fuck.
0: Dumb as fuck, and that
1: was all on Lee.
0: See, we're spoiling another
1: topic. Yeah. We keep spoiling the topics we want to talk about.
0: It's just because we're so knowledgeable. We're going to rope... Yeah,
1: (laughs) that's it. (laughs) Okay.
0: I don't even know where the fuck we were.
1: Back to it. On December 12th, Manstein launched his half of the attack. It was a success, but he reached a river and had to slow his advance to allow the tanks to cross. On December 18th, Manstein contacted Paulus and asked him to be ready to move the 6th Army in 48 hours. General Paulus refused. He was determined that the Luftwaffe could keep him supplied and he would hold out until Easter if he had to. The rescue effort was called off. And spoiler alert... Did not go well. He would not be able to hold out till Easter.
0: Yeah, because of what happened exactly next. Go ahead, Greg.
1: On December 24th, the Soviets captured the Luftwaffe's biggest airfield in Russia and destroyed 20% of the aircraft available to the Germans before being driven off. The men of the 6th Army needed 500 tons of supplies a day to survive, but the Luftwaffe was now only able to provide about 100 to 150 tons on a good day.
0: On a good day. If it was cloudy, yeah. if there was a lot of... This German, is Russian winter. Yeah, if there were a lot of Russian uh, I.L. Sturmoviks. Is that how you pronounce that? Their fighter planes? Probably. Yeah,
1: if there were a lot of them in the air. Yeah, because there was an air blockade at this time, yeah. too.
0: And those those Sturmoviks greatly outperformed all of the German aircraft. And like you have said previously, the German aircraft were kind of shit, at least compared to like the British... All of these I.L. Sturmoviks, and I hope I'm pronouncing that all right, they were outclassed by far in the air by these uh, aircraft. And so, like, if you went up there and they had to use the Stukas as their, their basically the airdrops for all these fucking right. supplies, their bomber planes, those were greatly outclassed by the fighters that the Russians had. So if it was a bad day, if the Russians had too many uh, sorties flying...
1: You were just fucked. There's no way they were using Stukas to deliver that stuff, were they? They were absolutely using Stukas. Were they really? Yes. I did not know that. Yeah, and the Stukas- Add this to a surprise misconception on my part.
0: The Stukas could fly, they could fly in a load, but they can only fly in once a day based on load time and flight time.
1: I didn't realize it was that bad for the Germans.
0: It really was. And Jesus. So they, you know, they didn't have C-150s or whatever. So they had, C-130s? C-130s. They, <laughs> or C-5s. They had to fly in the Stukas, their bomber planes, because bom- okay. bombers could, you know. Drop payloads. Carry more, yeah. yeah. But yeah, they could only fly in once a day, so they were limited, incredibly limited. And it just, that was the turning point in the war, and Gehring was a fucking idiot.
1: Well, that kind of brings me to something that, you know. I'd wanted to bring up is you had said last episode, you know how kind of bad the T thirty four tank was. Mm-hmm. It wasn't great. No, they produced fifty three thousand of those motherfuckers mm-hmm. during the war. Yeah, they did have a really really good tank. It was the uh, KV one. Yeah, the Russians it sh-
0: did. It showed up towards the end of this uh, this defense. Yeah,
1: yeah, and they're you know they're slower, mm-hmm. kind of limited range, and they're expensive not a lot of them out there but they were like the best tank in the world. Yeah, the Russians were,
0: had. The, they were an answer to the uh the, the Tiger. tiger. Yeah, yeah, it was and, a Tiger. And the Tiger had its own problems. The Tiger broke down frequently. It
1: was slow as fuck too. Slow as hell,
0: transmission problems like crazy. it was crazy. a monster. Yeah, oil burning machine. And but yeah, uh Tigers weren't really involved in Stalingrad or Barbarossa. No, they weren't, but the KV-1 was. Yes, and along with the T thirty four. And the T thirty four was not; it wasn't a
1: great tank. T thirty fours was just a numbers game. Yeah, they had a ton of them.
0: Yeah, and, and like we said in the last episode, they'd moved all of their factories from the west to the east, mm-hmm. so they could keep producing these T thirty four. They were pumping them out. Yeah, and so everybody's
1: starving. Hey, we got a bunch of T thirty four stuff.
0: Yeah, and um, that was basically their approach. You're right. You know, this was, was let's produce as much as we can for the war effort. Fuck the civilians. Mm-hmm. We'll win this war, and then you guys can yeah, you can fuck. You can make more babies. It's fine. It's, who cares? It'll be okay.
1: Yeah. Um. And just for the numbers nerds out there, I found this interesting. So the KV one Russian tank compared to the T thirty four, it was a hundred and thirty millimeters of front armor. Versus sixty millimeters on the T thirty four, so over double the front armor. Yeah, this thing was a.
0: What was the fucking
1: tank? What was the cannon size? The KV one was a hundred and seven millimeters, compared to the T thirty four, which was seventy six point two. Either way, so that's fucking crazy. The front armor mm-hmm. is doubled. Mm-hmm. The gun size nearly doubled. Yeah.
0: Now, now I don't know if if we have some old school listeners who have listened to our It's A Series, mm. the Sherman was upgraded from a 76 millimeter to a 77 millimeter cannon. And
1: yeah. that,
0: that was designed to puncture the armor of a Panzer.
1: It was a big upgrade.
0: Yeah. So you're going from 77 to 177 millimeters. That's fucking huge.
1: 107.
0: I'm sorry, 107 millimeters. Yeah. That is fucking huge.
1: Yeah, it's massive.
0: Yeah. There is no way any Panzer, even the Tiger which would come later not really involved like we said not really involved in barbarossa or stalingrad even the tiger wouldn't be able to stand up to these kv1s
1: right it was ridiculous we'll getting back to it ammunition and fuel were rationed and only used when the russians attacked german positions food began to run out and the horses were killed and eaten men, oh men hold began on. to hold on. starve to Death? Is, Hold on. is there a rocket horse time? it? a
0: wolf dick. Please, please play the horse neigh and we'll have a moment of silence because we have gotten back to horse death.
1: All right, go.
0: <laughs> I do feel good because we don't have a lot of disguises. We haven't had any disguises. We haven't had God bless the USA in this fucking... Episode because yeah, but now
1: they're going to be on your fucking mind and you're going to work them in, god damn it.
0: I have had people, and I'm not going to lie, this is 100% truth. I've had people ask me, why haven't you worked in God Bless the USA into these episodes? Of course you have. But at least, at least, we don't have disguises, we don't have God Bless, we don't have Lee Greenwood. At least we have horse death. And that is... That heat. is a common theme. That's 30% of our podcast. Yeah. It's history,
1: man. yeah. There were a lot of fucking cars in much of this history. <laughs> so naturally, a lot he of horses car. No, who cares. Killed, yeah. Killed a horse.
0: Yeah. Horse had a soul.
1: But yeah, these people, you know, these soldiers that are trying to survive, they went from eating meat like, mm-hmm. you know, cow to then eating horse meat <laughs> to then eating no meat. Like yeah. these people were starving to death. And for for all you guys that say Oh, well, you don't need meat to survive. No, I fucking agree. I mean, they didn't have anything. Hitler was (laughs) a a vegetarian. (laughs) Yeah. The thing is, Hitler wasn't fighting in fucking Stalingrad and shivering the entire fucking day, burning massive amounts of calories. No, actually. They didn't have uh, textured vegetable protein. They didn't have impossible burgers. So, like, meat was a very important uh sustenance for these troops yeah. and they didn't have it and they were burning massive massive amounts of calories just to stay warm just to be much alert. less move move around
0: yeah and we'll get into that there's there's a phenomenon that goes along with this where the guys are talking normally there's normal dudes and then all of a sudden they're fucking dead that'll happen here in a minute but uh one of uh hitler's generals i think it was Haldler or hadler i can't remember uh, basically, as a gesture, he's still back in Berlin. He's still monitoring this from afar and organizing a troop. As a gesture, he says, I will only take in the calories that my average troop is taking in. And so he just like cuts back way, way far on his food supply. And he starts uh, starving to the point where he's just fucking delirious.
1: And he's chilling in a fucking office. Yeah,
0: and Hitler eventually orders that he eats... Under guard, Like, he has to have a pistol pointed at his head so that he eats some fucking calories to get to the point where he can fucking function as a human. But that kind of gives you a mindset as to where the average troop was, because they weren't getting those same calories. They were just fucking delirious like he was without those fucking,
1: that same meal. Yeah. Fucking hell on earth, man. Yeah. Well, diseases such as hepatitis, dysentery, and typhus ran rampant through the German forces. I mean, even fucking General Paulus. It was. Yeah. It's basically kind of known that he was suffering dysentery. Yeah, yeah. And he's goddamn general. Yeah. So if your top dude has this the disease, poops. yeah. Uh, I mean, just imagine the uh, the lower dudes. Yeah. Uh, the sub dudes. I was I was gonna say Untermensch, which <laughs> is what that means, but I I don't want it to have that connotation.
0: Yeah.
1: By January third. Palace estimated that of the 150,000 troops in the city, only 35,000 were capable of fighting. One-fifth of your fighting force. Yeah. The Soviets offered to allow Pallas to surrender on January 9th, but he refused, uh, basically because Hitler told him to. Yeah, you can't.
0: You're not allowed.
1: It, he wanted to. A large Soviet offensive was launched inside Stalingrad, and the Germans were divided into two small pockets of troops, one in the north and one in the south, with no way of communicating with each other. You know, the crazy thing is, when you think about that, like, you have these two very, very small pockets of Germans left. Mm -hmm. When this battle just a couple months earlier, if you looked at a map, it was 90% plus German-occupied territory. Yeah, Like, you had a very small sliver along that Volga Mm -hmm. that was still Russians. And so, when Hitler looks at that, he's like, yeah. Fucking go ahead. It's easy to forget
0: that at one point they were 200 yards away from taking the commander of the Soviet forces uh, in custody.
1: Yeah, it's, it's weird.
0: It's also important to consider, I don't like to put a lot of stock in the fact that the Russian winner played a big role in, in these battles, but if you look at both Barbarossa and Stalingrad, the Germans were making huge strides Throughout I think it days. definitely
1: played a role, not yeah. in the actual fighting, but in the supply lines. It just slows everything down. Yeah.
0: And everybody, like, even this second battle, the the Germans are prepared for the Russian winter at this point.
1: One, well, as you mentioned in our last episode, like, the further you advance into an enemy's territory, the shorter their supply lines right. get. And the longer yours yeah. get. So add in the horrific Russian winter. Mm-hmm. That's slowed yeah. down like a motherfucker. Yeah,
0: and if you look at this uh battle, all of the Russian reinforcements are coming from Siberia, which was kind of like a no man's land. It was never gonna be like a, a tactical advantage for the Germans to right, yeah. attack. So, like you said, as the German supply lines, they it takes a lot longer for them to send reinforcements up from Germany and all that the Russians can just fucking ship them by train and then by boat across the Volga from Siberia. And they're able to reinforce these these front lines and keep the battle going and stall the Germans. And that was what it was all about. German speed versus Russian defenses. Yeah. And in the end, and we'll get into this in a second, in the end, Russian defenses are going to be
1: stronger. On January 30th, Hitler promoted Pallas to field marshal. Pallas, who was sick with dysentery... Knew what that meant. There yeah. A lot of subtext here. He had to poop a lot. No German field marshal had ever surrendered. And Pallas, like, when he got that dispatch that basically told him he, he was promoted to field marshal, which was a very coveted, coveted fucking position. Oh, yeah. Like, only a few people had it. Yeah. Well, he told the messenger to tell Hitler that he wouldn't kill himself, because that was the subtext. Either find a way out of this or, end or it. die, Yeah. because field marshals do not surrender. The next day, Pallas surrendered. The battle for Stalingrad was over. The Germans had been defeated. In total, the Soviets had lost over a million men defending their city. The Germans had lost over 800,000. The civilian death toll was never fully revealed by the Soviets. Some estimate that over 200,000 civilians died during the battle. Three main civilian districts were surveyed. In one, only 150 people out of 75,000 survived. Seventy-six out of fifty thousand in another, and thirty-two out of forty-five thousand people in the third.
0: That's fucking crazy. This that's that's just fucking crazy. That's just you have basically three hundred people out of three hundred thousand people. I mm-hmm. mean, my math's probably fucking hazy at this point, but that's that's insane. Like that many people are just fucking gone.
1: Yeah, I mean it's. Less than that, even. Less than 300. Yeah. This battle would prove to be a crucial turning point in the war. Not only did the defeat force Hitler to redeploy troops from the Western Front to the East, which would only increase the likelihood of defeat in the West, but it also proved that the German army was not superhuman and could be beaten, which was something that neither the Allies nor the Axis powers had seen up to this point. It was a wound from which the German army would never recover. The end. The fucking end. end.
0: All right, Greg, let's get into misconceptions slash surprises. Greg, what is your surprise or misconception about this story?
1: Yeah, so my big surprise here was I knew that kind of the Russians used the classic pincer, you know, tactics against the German, which were a big part of the Blitzkrieg. Right. Um, They used it here in the Battle of Stalingrad. What I did not realize is that... General Zhukov had secretly transported around a million troops to Stalingrad for this mm-hmm. secret offensive. Uh, they moved at night to avoid detection, hunkered down during the day. Yeah. So that... It kind of looked like they were all in the defensive, yeah. They were completely surprised by this. Mm-hmm. And it completely fucked the Germans. It did. So...
0: Good riddance, by the way. Yeah.
1: I I didn't realize that that was how that worked. That's how these reinforcements came up was... You know, even though the Germans were looking, they still didn't see it because they were hiding in plain sight. Right. Well, uh, what about you? What's uh, your surprise or misconception from this story? So I knew
0: Stalingrad was a huge battle, a huge turning point in this war. But
1: and that's your surprise or misconception.
0: All right, the end. You can find us on social. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, my thing was it wasn't until our main source, as I pointed out earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, kind of like reference this is Gettysburg, yeah, this is you versus me let 's see who fucking wins this war right here, right, fucking now i didn't realize that because at the same time you have armed group center and all the Moscow forces kind of holding stand pact. you have the siege of Leningrad up north, where you know they're starving out of the city and they're trying to relieve those forces. All of this stuff is going on at the same time. But Stalingrad was a huge fucking turning point of World War II. Like, as an American, I like to think, oh, D-Day—that was the turning point. We invaded, we we established a stronghold,
1: a, a foothold. Well, that's how our documentaries like to portray yeah, it. Yeah, and you then know?
0: and then we moved eastward. We we conquered the Germans. You know, despite their best efforts, beside you know, despite the Battle of Bulge and all that shit. Uh, we were just able to conquer them. Um, the Front, as the Germans called it. Ostfront. Or the, yeah, or the Eastern Front. Hmm. Um, I think a lot of times gets ignored, but it was such a huge turning point in this war.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: We we kind of like, we want to downplay the Russians, and I think a lot of that is as Americans, over the next 50 years, the Russians were our enemies, so we want to downplay what they did. Sure. And, but this battle, the the capture, killing, whatever of eight hundred thousand Germans, basically drastically changed the way the Germans had to approach this war. And now, all of a sudden, you were fighting on two unsuccessful fronts. Yeah, you're losing in the west. You're losing in the east. You got to defend the the you know the German motherland and fatherland. Fatherland. Sorry, the. The Russians were in the motherland, mm-hmm. um, but you have to defend that, and it's it's not going to go well. So I didn't understand like exactly how crucial
1: this specific battle of Stalingrad was. Gotcha. All right. Well, again, find us on social media at one zero zero proof history, anchor.fm slash one zero zero proof history for uh, the voicemails, and again, rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Mm-hmm. Uh we are going to take another little small break and get into this 100 proof hangover yep. that will be released uh this coming Monday. Yeah. So please check those out. Again, they're just little smaller episodes on uh either smaller or lighter topics. Uh, we just kind of cover them briefly because a lot of the times there's not a lot to cover. Sometimes it's yeah. just we condense basically, what there is. Basically, stuff that won't take an hour to talk about. Yeah, yeah, or a million hours like yeah. <laughs> this episode is turning into. But uh, yeah. So check those out. Eventually, they'll be Patreon along with our earlier episodes because those are trash and we don't want. New people,
0: yeah. Only yeah. you, old suckers, yeah. fucking idiots. Yeah, pay
1: for pay to listen to the track.
0: Yes. <laughs> I had fun. I had a lot of fun, despite the fact Yay! that like like two million people died here, Greg. Woo! Yeah, is eighty years ago. All those
1: people are dead. Who gives a shit? Hey, technically, <gasps> uh huh. All of Stalingrad had been destroyed. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> they, were, they were homeless
0: <laughs> Oh fuck them then Bye homeless yeah, If they're homeless women, double fuck them From both sides Yeah. What's up ladies What's
1: up homeless ladies
0: <laughs> I love you guys <sighs> Bye. Bye You open the dick door I'm gonna walk through <laughs> Right into your labia room The dick uh, door <laughs> You have wasted so much of my precious, valuable fucking
1: time. I love the Jews. Big fan of the Jewish people. Not even the middle of a sentence or anything. How's your anus? In the first day of fighting, 3,000 of... Rodent- Why do I remember this name? Mm, it's hard. It's spelled stupid. Russians are idiots. In the first day of fighting, 3,000 of... Rodent- God! Fuck! <laughs> I'm sure none of our listeners have been molested.
0: Oh and it's two o'clock. And I'm drunk as a motherfucker and this is gonna- Stop t-
1: drinking. No! You know my mom.
0: No! It tastes like a campfire in my mouth. You need coffee. I'm gonna suck that dick in that tent.